Father, we do thank you for this time together. We thank you again for the gift of your church, the gift of community, that we are not, um, although we are saved individually, we're saved into a body, and that you've provided this place for us in the local congregation to grow us in grace, to move us forward into the image of Jesus. And it's a struggle, it's a fight, but we're encouraged by our brothers and sisters around us who are, who are um, also fighting. And, and we move together, and we study together, and we learn together, and grow uh, into the image of Christ little by little together. So we pray that you continue to do that work that only you can do, which is drawing our hearts to Jesus and the beauty that he is, the excellency that he is, and um, give us hearts that are warm and prefer him over all the trinkets of this life. And as we move toward uh, concluding this study and growing in the grace of the gospel, I pray that you would use our time together to do just that, to, to draw us to um, the means that you have provided to uh, chisel away at areas in our lives that are uh, holding us back, that are preventing us from, from uh, moving forward in, in grace. We thank you that it's all for your glory, and we pray that we would live to your glory and that you would glorify yourself in us this morning. In Jesus' name, amen. All right, we're continuing on in our discussion of good morning, welcome. Uh, continue on our discussion of growing in the grace of the gospel. And if you remember, we had talked through the uh, the five R's that are that are listed uh, in the Bible as a list that under the term Baptist. Um, what were the what were, were we talking about? The means of grace, the ways that God uses things to 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 uh, grow us in grace. Do you remember what they were? Reading the Bible, right? Reading the Bible. Reading. Uh, and then what was it? What was it the second one? There was service and prayer and... Uh, okay, regular prayer. Uh, wait, reading scripture. Regular prayer. Reaching out. Aha! Reaching out. And then there was... The one we talked last week. <laughs> You're killing me. Repentance. Light repentance, we said. Right? Repentance. Okay, and then the last one we talked about uh, um, remaining in fellowship, right? We talked about that. Remaining in fellowship. Very clear, right? You can read that. Okay. We've gone through how to read the Bible in a, in a way that um, minimizes our bias and our bent um, to read it for read uh, what we call exegetically, uh, where we're reading out of it, not reading into it, making it say what we want it to say rather than let it change, having it change us, not us change it. Uh, regular prayer, we talked about that. Right repentance was last week, and today we're going to talk about how. Uh, witnessing, evangelism, reaching out 
doing these things, your heart is full. And, and the natural overflow, I think Dave Rowlett talked about this, the natural overflow is the church reaches out and evangelizes in mission. I would also argue that this is a conserving, a constraining uh, element of our hearts to keep us from sin and to drive us toward holiness. Um, and then remaining in fellowship all of last month, because it's February 2nd, all last month uh, was spent on the benefits of the local congregation, the benefits of the local community. And so we're not going to cover it because I would just be saying what they all said Sunday morning, Sunday night, again. So refer to previous discussions. Um, so we're going to look at reaching out today. And I, and I want to start out with saying, does this scare anybody? When you, when you are in a situation and your coworker that you know and are, are uh, you know, kind of have a friendship with, and they say something like, yeah, I really, uh, I really uh, uh, you know, I'm having this problem. I don't really even pick a problem, but I'm having this issue. I'm having this. And you know the answer to the issue from a biblical perspective is this, because, you know, you've been reading and praying anyway. And, and you know the answer is there. And it all revolves around, we need forgiveness. And this person needs forgiveness. And it's right there. What prevents us from saying, hey, you need Jesus. And here's how that works. And what is it that holds that back? Fear of man. Fear of man. Lack of love. Lack of love. Who said that? Why would you say that? Lack of love. That's... I mean, it's condemning, though, if you said that they need to be forgiven, isn't it? How is that lack of love? You define love as doing what's best for the person. And what's best for the person is, is a relationship with God and right repentance mm-hmm. and reading Scripture and regular prayer, sure, etc. Sure. Yeah, nicely done. And that's what's best for them. So, so it's a kindness to share the gospel. It's a, an expression of our love to the unbeliever to share the gospel. It's not... You idiot! Why don't you know this already? Right? Um, there's been a great bait and switch in the culture uh, of any any time where we're, we challenge the way people think or challenge the way people live. That's unloving. That's unkind. That's um, condemning. And judge not, lest you be judged. Right? That's now become the most often quoted scripture over John three sixteen. By the way, judge not, lest you be judged. I, I'm waiting for it to be held up at football games. You know. Matthew 7. Um, or, yeah. But I haven't seen it yet, because that would be judging. So. Um, so you have this fear of man because of the perception of the culture that if you challenge the way somebody thinks, you're, you're judging, you're condemning. How dare you tell me how to live my life? You know, we, we're Americans. We, we, we are free to pursue life, liberty, and, and, and happiness. And even though I'm in the throes of mistakes and, and what I've done and the, and the weight of my own sin, I'm still pursuing happiness, and you can't tell me any different, right? Um, as a Christian, why should we evangelize? It's out of love. But how does it, what is the benefit, and this is, sounds weird, what is the benefit to us to share the gospel? What does that do to us? It's obedience. It's obedience. And so? It's wrong not to. It's wrong not So there's a, there's a moral imperative. There's a moral command. It holds us accountable. Us. Go ahead. 
Hold us accountable, you said. Hold us accountable because if we're sharing the gospel with somebody, they're going to look at us and they're going to judge us. And they're going to say, well, you're the face of Jesus. And so it forces us to get our own lives right, right. in order to share the gospel. How, how well do you think of a country whose ambassador continually gets uh, DWIs? That reflects badly on the country, doesn't it? If we are ambassadors for Christ, we want to, we want to be ambassadors for the kingdom of light, using Philip's language from last month, um, to, to promote Christ and to look like Him. And that's a constraint on us, isn't it? If we're wanting to grow in the grace of the gospel, and we're saying that reaching out is a means of doing that, what, when we say growing in grace, what are we talking about? Looking more like Jesus, right? Doesn't he called, he conformed to the image of Christ. Romans 8. That, that, that's what we're looking at. By imitating Jesus, conforming to his image, we imitate him. That's what we're doing. I want to make a couple arguments, and then we'll talk some more. One, God is an evangelist. And we grow in grace when we imitate him. The minute, and we, we talked about this way back many moons ago when we were in Genesis. You remember that book? Um, the minute he said, let there be light, he wanted us to see something. Because it was dark. He, see, click, and there it is. He wanted us to see something. What did he want us to see? Each other? Him. Why do you say him? What do we see when he turns on the light? The heavens declare the glory of God. Everything screams of its creator. There is no speech where it cannot be heard. He is in everything. His imprint is in everything. That's an evangelistic effort. He declares his glory, who he is, that he's better than what we are drawn to. Um, remember Exodus. I know it was a long time ago. Uh, Exodus 6 where God speaks to um, the Israelites. He says, I will take you to be my people, and I will be your God, and you shall know that I am the Lord your God who has brought you out from under the burdens of the Egyptians. Turn to Isaiah 43. Also known as Isaiah. Depending on where you're from. 43. verse 5 starting there here's something that speaks directly to our motive for not witnessing fear not <laughs> for I am with you I will bring your offspring from the east and from the west I will gather you I will say to the north give up and to the south do not withhold bring my sons from afar and my daughters from the end of the earth everyone who is called by my name whom I created for my glory whom I formed and made. Bring out the people who are blind, yet have eyes, who are deaf, yet have ears. All the nations gather together, and the peoples assemble. Who among them can declare this and show us the former things? Let them bring their witnesses to prove them right, and let them hear and say it is true. You are my witnesses, declares the Lord, and my servant whom I have chosen, that you may know and believe me and understand that I am he, before me no God was formed, nor shall there be any 
after me. God is an evangelist. The purpose of it all is to proclaim himself, to elevate and to show his goodness, his right, his justice, his mercy to all the nations. And he does it through us. He does it through creation. He has also chosen to do it by means of his church, of his people, declaring and witnessing before, um, before the world. Um, Isaiah 66, just real quickly to kind of hammer this a little bit further. God is an evangelist. For I know their works and their thoughts, and the time is coming to gather all nations and tongues, and they shall come and see my glory, and I will set a sign among them, and from them I will send survivors to the nations, to Tarshish, Pool, and Lud, who draw the bow, and Tubal, and Javan, to the coastlands far away, that have not heard my fame or seen my glory, and they shall declare my glory among the nations. God is an evangelist. Uh, Jesus is an evangelist. Just real, there are many, many episodes here, but if you look at Mark 1. What was that you just read? Oh, Isaiah 66. It's the, it's the, last, uh, the last chapter in Isaiah. Isaiah, also known as. Okay. There was a, where we're getting that, there was a study we did a while back by a, a group called uh, Matthias Media, and they're all from Australia. And it's an awesome, it's an awesome study. And you just reminded me of it last last week. So it may, we used to joke about Isaiah because it's, it's, it's so foreign to East Texas to say Isaiah. It's Isaiah, that's how you say it here. Anyway, so we just joked about that. All right. So uh, Jesus was an evangelist. Mark one, uh, verse thirty six. This is a, a, an episode here where Jesus is beginning his ministry. He's in Galilee and he's doing this amazing stuff. He's preaching and he's healing. And he's in this town, and everybody that came to him was healed. It was a crazy, crazy thing. Crowds are coming. It's all awesome. Next day, he gets up early in the morning and, and goes up into the mountain to pray. And his disciples are thinking, hey, it's day two of, you know, awesome revival time. And um, uh, where is he? And they go looking, and they finally find him and say, don't you realize people are waiting for you back in this town where you healed everybody? They're waiting to be healed. We've got, we got more crowd today than we did yesterday. Big time. You're going to be famous. Let's do this thing. And he says, nah, it's time to go to the next town. And they're like, what? Look at verse 38, Mark 1. And rising very early in the morning, while it was still dark, he departed and went out to a desolate place, and there he prayed. And Simon and those who were with him searched for him, and they found him and said to him, Everyone is looking for you. And he said to them, Let us go on to the next towns, that I may preach there also, for that is why I came out. He didn't come to heal, although he did. He didn't come to raise from the dead, although he did, uh, raise others from the dead. Uh, he didn't come to um, uh, completely uh, eviscerate the Pharisees, although he did. Um, he came to preach the gospel. That was his mission. And at the end of his life, he says, he says, he prays to the Father, I've come and I've completed the work that you set out for me to do. And he says that before he goes to the cross. He, we'll mention this on Friday, he used his time wisely. He had a limited amount of time to do it and he did it. Um, so you have Jesus being an evangelist. And if we're going to grow in grace, we want to look like him. Uh, so if we think about... Um, 
growing in grace, and how, how, how is he understanding that God is an evangelist, that Jesus is an evangelist? How is that helpful to us in this area of growing in grace? What, what, is, what, is, what is it about understanding God's nature as one of proclaiming himself that is helpful to us? What do you think? Can you think of any <coughs> verses, phrases, concepts in Scripture that might be helpful in this? Can you your I'm sorry, let me try it again. Um, if God is an evangelist, and Jesus is an evangelist, and we're to imitate them, right? We imitate him, God, the expression of, uh, uh, in Jesus, how, how he uh, was on earth an, a, a, an evangelist. Ephesians 5.1 says, Be imitators of God as beloved children. Uh, 1 Corinthians 11.1 says, Be imitators of me as I am of Christ. And growing in grace is looking more and more like Jesus. Right? So as I proclaim him as God proclaims himself, as I proclaim him as Jesus was proclaiming the gospel and the the kingdom, I'm looking more like him. And that's growing in in grace, right? Do we see that? Is that clear? Is that better? Um, it's just not a good question. If I'm, gro- if I'm to grow as a Christian, I'm going to do some of the things that God does. Because I want to imitate Him. I want to look like Him. I can't do all that He does, obviously. I can't you know, create light out of nothing. But I can proclaim Him. Peter calls it proclaiming the excellencies of Him that called us out of darkness into light. That's what we're to do. We're to imitate God in that. Uh, and not only do we follow his example, but he has specifically commanded us to preach the gospel. So point number two in this is we grow in grace when we obey the command to all believers to share the gospel with unbelievers. Is that a true statement? Are all believers commanded to share the gospel? Really? All of us are? Where do we get that? I mean, I thought there were these guys that, you know, like the apostles, of course, they had to... Evangelize. It's kind of necessary for them to do it. Why is that all believers' responsibility? Where does that come from? Several places. The one you just mentioned, which is being imitators of Christ. Okay. Yeah. Matthew 28, the, the Great Commission. The, the Great Suggestion. <laughs> no, it was command, right? Um, it, some people argue that. We should not, not every Christian is required to witness or evangelize because that's a, that's a gift that God just gives certain people. That we're not all supposed to do that. We just need to identify those people who have that gift. I should be a little worried if that's an argument. Yeah, I would think so too because it's not even listed as a spiritual gift mm-hmm. in Scripture. It's an office. There are certain offices of that, and I grant you that. But, but, but as, the same people who say that are the very people that, you know, they're in five Bible studies. But they never act on their faith. Mm-hmm. They never use their gifts and talents to serve anybody else. Mm-hmm. You know, it's real easy to be right with God before you get out of bed. But then the alarm clock goes off and you got to go deal with people. Yeah. And that's where the reaching out comes in. That's where the remaining in fellowship. And that's the hard stuff. Mm-hmm. It's not you being alone with God. That's the good stuff. You dealing with other people, that's the hard stuff. Yes. That is the difficult part of it. Why? Why is that? Because you, you see our response to. Yeah, no, that person looks just like me, and I don't like that. Yeah. How I respond to someone else reveals what's in my heart. 
and it feels all nice and warm and cozy in my, in my Snuggie on the couch with my Bible and praying, right? Um, when I am out in the cold world of, you know, East Texas, 33 degrees, and I'm dealing with people on the road who don't know how to drive and think that we need snow tires in this kind of weather, um, <laughs> that causes something to come out of me that I don't like. It does. It really, really does. And, and so we're right back to here. But um, that, that's, that's, the, that's, where the, well, that's where the rubber hits the road. <laughs> that's, thank you. I'm on again at 8. Um, so if, if not having that spiritual gift, if it is a gift, of evangelism is not an out. What, what about, um, well, let's look at Matthew 28. So what does it say? Uh, um, 18 through20. And Jesus came and said to them, this is after the resurrection, "All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me." We'll stop right there and think about the fear that we have of man. What are we afraid of? All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Go, therefore, and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you, and behold, I am with you always to the end of the age. What is part of the all that I have commanded you? Isn't it this? Go into all the world, preach the gospel, Make disciples of all nations? Isn't that part of the all that I've commanded you? Um, so, yes, we're, we're to do this. We're commanded to do this. Not only is it a part of looking like Jesus and, 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 and the example that we have of God being an evangelist and Jesus being an evangelist, but he specifically commands us, if we're going to be disciples, to do all that he has commanded us, which includes make other disciples. Um, so you have... You have uh, this this constant um, uh, refrain in Scripture of all Christians are uh, supposed to are commanded to share the gospel, and it's a community effort. Ephesians four talks about how the church is to build up believers for the work of ministry. Is this a work of ministry? Yes. I would think it would be. Um, and it's a, it's a thing that we do all together. We grow in grace and the love of neighbor that has to be there to do evangelism rightly. So we, it's an expression of, of our love for our fallen uh, uh, neighbor. And it also has a restraining, effect on, uh, a restraining effect on our sin. All right. That's great. Those are nice thoughts. Yay, let's go. How do we do it? How do you turn a conversation into a gospel-oriented conversation? How do you do that? Jesus. You Jesus. It's always good. You testify what God has done for you in your life. Okay. Jenny gave a great example. on you. When she said, somebody said to her in class, wow, you don't seem to be frustrated about this, and everybody else is in class is frustrated. And she said, well... If that's happening, that's just God in me. Mm-hmm. That, that's 
that's all that is, rather than saying, well, you know, I've just been working on being a better person, or, well, thanks, you know, she turned it back to God. Sorry to confirm. I think that was a great example of sometimes there are just things like that, even, they can say, it's not me, I'm not naturally a patient person. Yeah, that seems to be a launching pad for me. responses that mm -hmm. just turn things upside down for them. And it might confuse them and not make any sense, mm -hmm. but at least they see something different. And over time, um, well, if you're working or going to school with people, it's one thing because you mm -hmm. see them all the time. Mm -hmm. You don't want to make, make it difficult to work with and be around. Right. So it's not like um, you need to make a point to, <laughs> to capture them force them to listen. Yeah, restraints on a chair, never a good idea. No. no. Uh, but just having, learning, a lot of the time, people will say something to me that's just off the wall ridiculous. Mm -hmm. It's very revealing of them being a fool. Mm -hmm. And they want, they when they when they say something crazy, they want you to say, oh, no, 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 you're fine. Like, I totally mm -hmm. understand that. You mm -hmm. deserve that. Or, and and it's so easy to slip into that because that's just our cultural lingo. Like that's how we right. make things okay. And like you said, our culture, like relativism and non-judgmental. Mm -hmm. I don't have to hold you to a standard at all. But um, but I think you still can, without being judgmental or harsh, just learning to have simple responses that show that you disagree, um, or at least that you're. Not, show, not making you sound like you're in approval mm -hmm. when you're talking wrong. I think one word will do it many times when you're in a situation like that. Why? You start asking people why you say something. Why do you, why do you feel that way? What's at the core of that? Where is that coming from? Why? And then you can move it toward, you know, obviously it comes out. Once people start talking from why, inevitably it comes out just the blah, the selfish thing that's going on there. That's a theological term, blah. Um, which, you, which is right under the surface, surprisingly. Yeah, it doesn't take much. They're, they're ready to talk. Yeah. yeah. And, and so, you know, Don Whitney put together about ten questions that he thinks are good to, to, uh, to, 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 to move a conversation over to a, a more uh, gospel-oriented conversation. I, I think you start it with why. But then he asked some questions, just in, depending on the circumstances. Um, do you have any kind of spiritual beliefs? If what you believe were not true, would you want to know it? No. Um, how important is your faith to you? Just kind of draw that out. Um, there, there's the evangelism explosion question. When you die, if God says to you, why shall I let you into heaven, what would you say? Are you interested in what the Bible says about your answer? That's a great question. You get it in why, bleh, 
you know, what's, what has been your most meaningful spiritual experience? Um, how is God involved in your life? Do you think much about spiritual things? Um, do you find your, that your religious heritage answers your questions about life? Who is Jesus? It's kind of a big question. Um, here's one I, I, I read where a guy um, does this at the restaurant. You know, you're sitting in a restaurant, and the waiter or waitress comes over, and, and he says, we're about to pray, and I often pray for, for people. How can I pray for you at the restaurant? Well, then you start a conversation there about what's going on with that person. What are you doing? You're not being, you're not being, you, you know, aggressive. You're pulling from them what the problem is. It's the selfishness. It's the it's the um, the the lack of concern that we live under the gaze of a holy God, and it's on the table. And then you slowly through. A, I think these are gentle questions. But you're still putting it on them. Tell me more about what you think. If you're wrong, would that matter to you? No, I like being wrong. I, you know, I'm, I'm good with my ignorance. Thank you. You're not going to see that. Oh, yes, you are. Well, maybe, maybe you will in some circles. But generally, people are going to be... You think... You think uh, oh, not as yeah. Really? Okay. I don't care if I'm wrong? Yeah. Okay. As long as I get my way. All right. Adjust the question. Yes. Who, like, you said it was a book? Oh, it was a, just a series of questions. Donald Whitland, Don Whitland. I'll post these. I'll post these. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Yeah, there's several books out there that, that, that talk about how to do this. Um, one of my favorites is a book called Tactics by Greg Kokel. He talks about the ambassador idea and using certain uh, uh Techniques of, of, of just questioning, bring, putting it back on them to draw out um, where their heart is and, and how to do it in a way that is, um, is not, um, you know, thumping people. obviously something she was really anxious about and she was just like, oh my God, I'm just really anxious about this and she was just really upset and I told her, I said, hey, guess what? I'm going to be praying for you. <laughs> and then the next day I said, hey, I was, I was praying for us and she was really thankful for my encouragement throughout the weekend of right. this thing we were struggling with at school together. Yeah. And I was just like, guess what? I was like, this is the grace of God. I was like, I'm going to, I didn't say that, but I just said, hey, I'll be praying for you and I was praying for us because we were doing it together. Right. She was just really appreciative of me and I just think it was just cool to know that um, more time I spend with her, I think I'll know maybe the root of all that. But yeah, just, it draws out a good again, right? Yeah. And that's the key, I think, is having a relationship with somebody. Yeah. Right. When we ghetto up in our little Christian environment, mm -hmm. we don't have those experiences. Yeah. We don't have that opportunity to be salt and light. We don't have the opportunity to love our neighbor yeah. um, in in that way. Obviously, we love each other, but but when she a little different. Shared that with me, though. I said, well. I'm one of those people who will just go up to strangers and be like, can I pray for you? I said, but it depends on if the Lord has really placed that on me and I feel like something is wrong. And I shared, I said, one time at school, 
there was this girl and I could just tell she needed something and she broke down crying and told her mom had cancer and she was mm -hmm. really appreciative of my prayers and my friend's like, oh, well that's cool, you know, and right. so it was just another opportunity to kind of just share more sure. about how talks about putting a stone in the shoe. That you don't, when you meet somebody, you don't have to just dump everything all at yeah. once. Yeah. But you cause a little bit of question and uh -huh. their assumptions, their worldview assumptions. And it, and it causes them to kind of, well, maybe I'm not thinking about this rightly. Um, and again, our big thing is fear. That's why we don't do it, right? Um, and I, I think that that's one of the great benefits of understanding that God is sovereign. Ultimately, He is doing what only He can do, which is change the heart. You can't reach in somebody's head and flip a switch and let them see Jesus. You can't do it. It's impossible. That's God's work. He's, he's the author and finisher of our faith. We are called to faithfulness. We're called to proclaim faithfully, rightly, accurately, consistently, and indiscriminately to everyone in the hopes that God does what only He can do, which is grant repentance and faith. That should take all fear of evangelizing out of us. It's not up to me. It's not up to my um, awesomely awesome presentation that I worked for hours on to get it down. And then, you know, the scene doesn't go exactly as I thought it would go, and there's a different twist that's thrown in there, and I'm thrown off my game, and I've got, you know... That doesn't matter. Be faithful in your willingness and proclamation of the gospel, God's in control of the granting of faith and repentance, not us. That should take all fear out of that. It's easy to get conscious of, I'm, I'm in this situation, and if I don't do this just right, this person's going to walk away and never you know, come to Jesus because of my failure. Well... We want to be good at what we do. We want to be, get better at presenting and be and be quicker on our feet and addressing issues. But realize, it's don't be in the corner in the fetal position with a nosebleed over whether or not you're going to cause somebody to go off into eternity without Jesus. He's sovereign, you're not. Okay. Um, to grow in grace, we have to be obedient. Um, we can't say... But I'm growing in kindness and fail in the kindest act we can do, which is point people to the mercy of God in Christ. It's an ambassadorship we're involved in. When you put yourself out like that, it restrains you. Um, and, and there's an excitement that follows, I think, in sharing the gospel. There's a thing that happens when it's done and, 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 and you have an opportunity to, to share with someone. There's a zeal that happens. And that also is restraint to... Our sin, right? We're excited about Jesus. We're excited about proclaiming the gospel. We don't want that to go away. And so there, there's a drive to um, put to death things that would, would draw us down. And two, if it's someone you have an ongoing relationship with, you now have an obligation to demonstrate the difference, right? If you know somebody and you share the gospel with them, you don't want to be a, a source of an obstacle there. Not, not again, God is sovereign, but why throw up obstacles <laughs> by our own life? We want to adorn the gospel with our holiness. Remember John Owen, we talked about that. Here's, here's something, I just want to kind of wrap it up here. Um, first of all, any questions on that? Any comments? Okay, yes? Like, in Romans, like, I think, at least I do get 
super intimidated about like sharing the gospel. Like going back to like what you said, Romans three talks about like how the gospel is entirely dependent on the Lord. Mm -hmm. and, like it's a gift of faith that's given by the Spirit, mm -hmm. and it depends on nothing on my own work. Right. Um, so I think like we get this big intimidate, intimidating thought of like, well, I don't know Romans three twenty three, so I can't share the gospel. Right. <laughs> yeah. Um, but it just comes back to the fact that like I might not know all the fancy scriptures and stuff, but I know the heart of the gospel because I'm saved. Sure. I see it work out in my life, and that can be the biggest way you share the gospel. Yeah. Is sharing your life and not necessarily taking you know, through the six steps of salvation. Right. And and what does that do though? When you do share, they're gonna have questions that you may not know the answer. What does that do? That drives you to your Bible. Yeah. To to to. To, to learn more of him, to be able to be prepared to give an, an answer, be ready to give an answer of the hope that's in you. That's, it has, again, a sanctifying effect on us as we're challenged by, well, that's not right. I don't see God. Yeah. You know, you have those questions, well, what do I do with that? You know, you go back to the Bible and you study and you read and you read men on whose shoulders we stand um, who have thought through these things and, and, uh, and men of the church. It's a restraint to our sin. It's an encouragement for us to grow in, in Christ. And, um, and it's obedience. Ultimately, it comes down to obedience. So, all right, here's a, here's a quote that Tammy said was way too long. But I'm going to read it to you anyway because I, I, I love it. This is a good quote. This is Francis Schaeffer, who if you um, have an opportunity to read any Francis Schaeffer, grab it. He's good. Um, he says, Evangelism that does not lead to purity of life and purity of doctrine is just as faulty and incomplete as an orthodoxy or right understanding of the gospel which does not lead to a concern for and commun communication with the lost. You see, does that, do we get that? Ready to read again? Read again? Okay, I'll read again. Evangelism that does not lead to purity of life and purity of doctrine is just as faulty and incomplete as an orthodoxy, right doctrine, which does not lead to a concern for and communication with the lost. So we can gripe about, um, you know, these people are so uh, theoretical and they do all their Bible studies and they never go, you know, give the gospel, which is a right complaint in some circles. That's faulty and incomplete. Just as doing evangelism that somehow doesn't lead us to living more holy lives and sharpening ourselves in the word because of the questions that we get, it's also faulty and incomplete. Both of those are incomplete. And so I think naturally doing right evangelism from a heart that reads scripture regularly in prayer and, re and repents is full and wants to love their neighbor by sharing the gospel, be obedient to Christ and grow in him. That I think naturally flows out and it challenges us and reinforces us to go and do these things again. You see, it's a circle. It's a circle of Christian life. See, it's a song somewhere. I, I feel a Disney movie coming out of it. Do you, do you, don't hum it, please. <laughs> um, any, any, other, any other comments? All right. I just have to say it just once based on the story I told you last week. It's Super Sunday. <laughs> Let's pray. God, thank you so much for the massive privilege you've given us 
to proclaim Jesus to an unbelieving world. You're the best evangelist, and yet you have chosen in your wisdom to let us share in that proclamation as a means to um, convert the world and convert the nations and even our neighbor next door. Father, I pray that you give us eyes that are open to opportunities to move conversations to the gospel. All truth is your truth and everything revolves around you, so it shouldn't be a hard move, but we're so fearful sometimes and so slow in thinking sometimes to, to move those conversations toward Jesus. We need wisdom by your Spirit, and you promise to give it to us if we ask, and so we ask. Help us to be better proclaimers of the gospel to those around us. By your Spirit, give us a heart of love for our neighbors that compels us to be kind in sharing the gospel. Thank you for the restraint that it has on our own sin. Thank you for the calling that it is to live a holy life so that we are not obstacles to the truth and credibility of what we're saying. I thank you for this group. I thank you for their heart for you. I thank you that you are drawing them and, and unifying them as, a, as a, a unit in this body that they love each other, they want to serve each other, they want to make much of Jesus. I pray for those who are just coming into this group that you would quickly knit them in and let friendships and relationships form that are good and right and true and that drive all of us toward loving you more. I pray for Philip as he preaches this morning, begins again in Isaiah, let the gospel be proclaimed boldly, clearly, accurately, and with great effect. May the lost find you. May you find them and draw them in to see Jesus high and lifted up today. In his name we pray, amen.